Welcome to Moneyline, I'm Matt McCall. Thanks for joining me. It is Friday, June 11th, wrapping up another week. We have stocks a little mixed right now. We'll dive into that in a minute, but it's been a pretty good week. We have a lot of indices near the highs, but today's a pretty big show, pretty important show, pretty fun show. We're gonna take our 12, our dozen stocks to put on your watch list for this summer. I know the summer's kicked off, but we have a ways to go. I got 12 stocks coming at you from very different areas. So get your pen, get your paper, get ready. Because here comes Moneyline. The buck starts here. Moneyline with Matt McCall. Again, this is Matt McCall. Thanks for joining me. It is Friday, June 11th, uh, 2021. And let's take a look at the markets. Let's just jump right into it. Why not? We'll pull up the, the markets here right now. Uh, we have the S&P down about a little less than two-tenths of percent. It's on the low of the day right now. It's about... Uh, 12.43 or so East Coast time, so midday, a few hours left in trading. Uh, let's take a look at the NASDAQ here for a moment. NASDAQ 100 had a nice day yesterday, as you can see. Big, big day. Best close that we've seen over a month yesterday, folks. Down just a fraction today. Again, off the highs. It was, it was up earlier today, but off the highs. Uh, however, again, best close we've had in about six weeks yesterday, so that's really good news for the week. Um, Take a look at the ARK Innovation ETF, something I've been taking a close look at a lot here recently. If it were to close here, it'd be the best close that we've had uh, since the uh, first trading day of uh, May. So you're looking at, again, about a six-week high. And this white line I drew about a week or so ago, this is a downtrend line. We're breaking above it. That, that's really good news. I, I said back here, I, I said I just felt that bottom that day. <coughs> Excuse me. I felt that bottom that day. And uh, since then, we've been working our way up. We're not going to go straight up. Don't get me wrong. Uh, however, I, I do like the action we're seeing here. I like the action we're seeing in, in S&P. I like the action we're seeing in NASDAQ. And again, I like the action that we're seeing uh, in ARC as well. So this week, or this today, I should say, we're going to wrap up the week. Quick show, to the point, no BS. We're going to get into the watch list. None of these stocks are buy or sell recommendations. I have no exposure in these stocks, just so everybody out there who's listening knows this. Uh, nothing, nothing of that sort. These are just ideas that I've come up with, and again, they're not buyers or sales, but they caught my attention for one reason or another. And the reason they caught my attention, we'll go through it, but let's just dive into it. And there's a couple different trends I'm going to be covering here. The first trend I'm going to be covering is housing. You all know that I love housing. I've been bullish on the housing sector for a long time now. It's been the right call, as you all know. Uh, some of the stocks have pulled back, yes, but I think there's some nice opportunity out there. So let's take a look at AZEC. And this is a company I've talked about a few times since it went public back in uh, June of last year, uh, down in the 20s, and now ramped over 50, back down to 41 and change, uh, down a penny today. So basically unchanged. But you see this huge support level here that it's pulled back to. AZEC's about a $7.2 billion company. So the reason that this popped up and the next stock popped up is, you know, we all know lumber prices are going through the roof. We've all, everybody talks about lumber prices, and they've come way off the highs, and they're, and they're going to keep, continue to come off the highs. But they're still very high, relatively speaking, and they spiked quite a bit. So, obviously, lumber's more expensive. So, AZEC and the next company I'm about to talk about, they have uh, a polymer solution to it. Uh, so, it's going to be, uh, I'll tell you the next stock's Trex. It's very soon you may, you may be more familiar with Trex. We'll talk about that stock in a moment. But... Trex is a little more expensive than just typical lumber, but again, with lumber prices spiking, Trex, I'm telling you, and I know there's the, uh, the purists out there who don't like Trex, uh, but for me, I, man, I, I love it. I, I had a house in Nashville for a while, and I had a beautiful rooftop deck overlooking the city, but I got pounded, pounded by the sun. 
uh, the weather there and rain and, and wind and everything else. And like every two years, you had to really redo it. I mean, just the, 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 the wood took a beating. And I remember asking how much to a guy, asked me how much the Trex would cost. And it was much more expensive to replace it with Trex. And I eventually moved to the house. So I didn't do anything to it. But looking back on it, I would have done Trex because, or Azek, or one of, one of the alternatives, the, the alternatives to the lumber. Not because of lumber prices, it would be more expensive, but the way that it holds up is so much better. You know, the elements are just so strong in so many places. So, I, you know, let's go back to Azek here. I, I like what I'm seeing. <clears throat> it has um, revenue growth the next couple of years, about 11.2%. Not huge, but not bad. Uh, but earnings growth, bottom line growth, 65.4%. Uh, uh, that's big numbers. P.E. ratio right now, 38.5. Price to sales, 5.7. So it's not cheap by any means, but it's got some decent growth in the bottom line. And I love this pullback right here, and I think the housing market is going to continue to go. So it's one you want to keep an eye on. Uh, the next one is Trex, is, is the one you're probably familiar with, T-R-E-X. Pretty similar chart, uh, actually almost even a little better. It's got a great uptrend. Oops, sorry about that. It's got a nice uptrend line here. Now I'll try to draw here in a second. But it's a little bit bigger, as I mentioned, $11.4 billion company. Uh, its revenue growth, very similar, 11.5%, bottom line, 184 So the bottom line is not growing as much, but it's a little bit more mature of a company. But it's also 50% bigger uh, than AZEC as far as market share. PE ratio on 41, price to sales 8.9, PEG 3.5. So it, really, AZEC is a little cheaper. They both are great. I think they both will really flourish uh, in the next couple of years in this continued housing boom. They've both pulled back from highs. They're both sitting on support. So... I don't know which one, and uh, again, nothing here is a buy or sell recommendation, but I, I put both those on my watch list because of the fact that I think that we're going to continue to see the housing boom go. Lumber prices will not stay where they are, but they will remain high, uh, therefore making uh, AZEC and Trex more affordable and more attractive on a relative basis. Okay, so one more we're going to do in the housing sector, but it's a little bit different than uh, what we've been looking at before. Those two are, are pure uh, you know, plays on, on actual materials. The next one's a SPAC that hasn't gone through uh, the merger yet. It has a definitive agreement, and let's pull it up and take a look at it. It's Supernova Partners Acquisition Corp, SPNV, and they have a definitive agreement to uh, merge with OfferPad. Uh, it values OfferPad about three point, uh, it's about right around $3 billion. You know, OfferPad's like iBuying. So they'll buy homes from you, a lot of times fix them up, sell them, resell them for more. But it's, it's, it's not much different than, than Open Door Technologies or Zillow or Redfin. They all kind of play in the same space. So as I mentioned, about a $3 billion company, the co-founder uh, um, uh, co of OfferPad was also the co-founder of Zillow uh, and Hotwire. Remember Hotwire back in the day? That was actually acquired by Expedia back in 2003 for about $685 million. And I look at the, the, the upside potential. I tried to play around with OfferPad yesterday <coughs> on, the, uh, on the app, but... I was trying to put my condo in Baltimore and see if I could sell it. it uh, it's not in Baltimore yet. Uh, so right now, the estimate for 2021 is that they're going to be in about 19 markets. Uh, so, uh, and, and I believe that the future opportunity is going to lead to about 48 markets. Right now, uh, they have a little bit less than 1% market share. Uh, they believe that could go up to 4%. And again, 4% is not even a huge amount, but they believe it get up there and it's four, more than 4x where we're at right now. So the annual revenue right now um, for 2021 to guidance is for $1.4 billion. Again, they believe the future opportunity is $23 billion. Don't get me wrong. You know, companies are always going to be very optimistic because why would you run a company if you weren't optimistic? You thought things were going to be terrible. 
So when I look at these numbers, take them for what they're worth. I'm just sharing the numbers from their in investor relations uh, presentation. But that being said, uh, I do think there is huge opportunity for this business model. Uh, and I think there's going to be a lot of big players in it. Uh, you know, last year revenue was at 1.1 billion. So you're not seeing huge growth, 1.1 to 1.4. Uh, but if you look at that compared to, let's say, uh, Open Door, 2.6 billion last year, but it's a much bigger company. Zillow's home segment, not Zillow overall, their home segment did about $1.7 billion last year. So it's keeping pace with, with some of the big ones. And the other thing to keep in mind is uh, their offer pad was in about 16 markets last year, where Zillow home segments was in 25, open door in 21. So again, there is potential uh, to see that grow. And uh, again, their projections just the next couple of years, they believe by 2023, it's two years from now, uh, the company believes they'll have $3.9 billion in revenue. I just mentioned, it's about a $3 billion company. So it's trading uh, at less than one-time sales two years from now. And, and, and for a company in, in an area that's growing like this, uh, and it's such a big trend, it's something to keep an eye on. But again, it's a SPAC. So let's go back to this chart. You know, it ran up on the news, the like $13 came down, it's trading right now at 10. You know, a, a lot of these are just, they, they give, they've given up on them for whatever reason. So it's, again, one, throw in the watch list, see what it does. Uh, but, but there's an area out there that I think uh, has some pretty big upside potential. The next one we're going to take a look at, these next two stocks are in the infrastructure area, I call it. Uh, Aon, A-A-O-N. Again, you're looking at a stock. Let me pull out a little bit longer term chart to give you an idea. A great long term chart, but it's pulled back from the highs. I mean, all these stocks got ahead of themselves and they've all pulled back too much, in my opinion. The great buying opportunities down here. $3.3 billion company. It's uh, air conditioning, heating. It's called HVAC. You know, uh, heating, ventilation, air conditioning. Uh, revenue uh, to was at $500 million uh, last year. Uh, next year, $554 million. So not huge, huge growth. It's actually slower growth. <coughs> All that being said, if the infrastructure bill eventually gets passed, and I saw something today about a $1.2 trillion one potentially being passed, uh, until it's really, really, really passed, I'm not going to be jumping up and down, but I do think we need something done when it comes to infrastructure, and I, and I think something will happen. Uh, all that being said, uh, this is not the high growth type company, but if you start refitting all these buildings and businesses and residences, as Biden talked about when he's trying to get elected or got elected, I should say, uh, a company like this should do very well. So I, I think there's some big upside potential. I think a lot of it's not baked in yet. Uh, the other one is kind of a, a shift over to uh, a little something a little different, but it's uh, Hud Bay Minerals, HBM. It's a, a Canadian mining company, about a $1.8 billion company. Uh, it has operations all throughout North America. Uh, they have what's called copper concentrate. So from there, you get copper. That's the number one. They say gold, silver, zinc. You know, revenue has been flat in this company for years. Uh, but this year, we're looking for about $1.52 billion. So it's trading, again, just over one-time sales. So it's not expensive. And also see solid earnings growth uh, up to uh, 93 cents in 2023. Again, 93 cents, if you're trading at 10 times that, simple math says you're trading at $9.30. You should be trading 20 times that net growth. You're looking now at $18.60, which is more than a double from here. So again, this chart looks great short term. I'm going to zoom out a little bit here and look at the longer term chart. It's been up there. It's been up, down. I think copper is a nice place to be. I like the industrial metals. Uh, it's an infrastructure play as well. It's just one I think you want to, again, add to that watch list. All right, now we're going to go over to the consumer. And uh, this is one where you may not have heard of this one. This is, this is uh, 
uh, you'll see it in a second. It's uh, Formula One. Uh, so Liberty Media always spins off these different companies they buy of them, and then they spin them off into different like holding companies, if you will. Uh, the one I'm about to show you is, is Formula One. I'm not a racing fan. I think yeah, I can't watch NASCAR for more than 30 seconds. I can't watch Formula One for more than 10 seconds. Uh, I've watched Indy 500 a few times. I've been to Indy 500 many, many years ago. It's just I can't get into auto racing. However, down here, I have a few friends because it's a very international place down here in Nicaragua that it's an international sport, Formula One, you know, driving the, the cars all through the cities and stuff. Uh, last weekend, it was the, uh, the race was in Azerbaijan. And we couldn't play golf till later in the day because two of the guys wanted to watch the F1 race. I've always watched this stock, but I did some more research into it. And let's take a look at it here. This is F-W-O-N-K. And uh, it's, uh, it, it's very interesting. Uh, it, it's a sport, though. It's, it's, it's considered the 11th most popular sport in the world. I will tell you, obviously soccer slash football is number one. But there's a couple of weird sports in there, like cricket's in there. Uh, a couple others. I, I, uh, field hockey was in there. I know it's very big in Southeast Asia. <coughs> it, was, it, was, it was crazy. I thought it'd actually be higher, but it's still one of the largest sports in the world. Lots of money sloshed around. It's a $9.5 billion company. Revenue obviously dipped last year due to the pandemic. Uh, but earnings are expected to be up over 100% annually and profitable again next year. So you're seeing a big turnaround. It's a huge following for this sport, and uh, it's, it's one of those, those, those stocks that really helps diversify a portfolio because most people probably don't have this type of international consumer play. Uh, it's also a grand reopening play. Uh, again, just wanted to keep an eye on it, throw on the watch list. Uh, it's not very, very volatile, as you can see, but it's been moving up nicely uh, over the last few, uh, last few months. Sticking with kind of the car theme here, another one I've talked about in the past, and it's because I own a Porsche. And yes, it's a Porsche SUV, so I'm not that fancy. I get it. Uh, but I think some of these auto stocks are, are trading at really nice valuations. Porsche is a $36.3 billion company. They actually have Porsche, they have Audi, Skoda, uh, Ducati, uh, Lamborghini, and then my favorite car, my dream car, uh, that I have, uh, and not my desk now because I'm not at my desk anymore, but I have it at home, is my little, uh, my little Bentley Matchbox car. I've always wanted a Bentley since I was a kid, even though, again, you folks know I don't even drive, really. But uh, they also own Bentley. Revenue is expected to increase in the next couple of years, 8.4% annually. Earnings, 11.6%. The bigger picture is, you, you look at Audi. I mean, the, 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 the inroads that they're making in uh, electric vehicles, I love it. Porsche as well. And there's a couple of other, other brands. I, I just think it's, it's a brand that you can't ignore. Uh, anybody who's ever had a Porsche or uh, knows anything about cars, loves, it, loves Porsche, I, I think it's fantastic. It's you know, it's the greatest car. It's funny. My first car ever. Actually, I won't tell you what it is. If you all can put in the comments there what you think my first car ever was. Remember, I was born in 1976, so my first car was when I was 16 in 1992. 1992. If you could name the car, it's no longer. It, it hasn't been made for years. But if you can name my first car, <laughs> it, it, it was not a very good car. I'll tell you that. But my second car. I worked all summer and saved money to buy a used Audi. It was my first car. Very old. <clears throat> you know, it was very old. Uh, it, was, it was an eight, Audi 4000, I believe they called them back then, with a the sunroof. I mean, it was, to me, it was the greatest car ever because I worked hard to, to get it myself at 16 years old. Paid cash for it. Uh, but the car before that, please guess what it is. I would love to see the guesses. 1992 is when I got it, but it was probably an 82, if you will. Uh, it was a, uh, again, I don't think I've seen one on the road in probably a decade, but 
If, I, if, if anybody guesses it, I'll show a picture of it. I can try to find a picture because it is one ugly-ass car. But I want to go back here to the long-term chart of Porsche. Look at this. Uh, this is since late, late 09. It's finally broke above that high at 11. I really, really like what's going on here. I, I think this is a stock that will quietly do very well. May fill the gap at 11 before it takes off, but uh, it's one I, I would definitely keep an eye on. <clears throat> the next area I want to take a look at is, uh, is cannabis. And, you know, I've always been a big fan of cannabis, one of the earliest investors in cannabis. I used to, you know, back in the day, I used to, to uh, moderate, host, whatever you will, these, these conferences within conferences and they're about cannabis. We'd have CEOs of some of the largest companies in the world there, uh, cannabis companies in the world. We couldn't get more than 10 people sometimes in a room. It was unbelievable. It was almost embarrassing. Sometimes I feel like we're just talking to each other. <laughs> so I've been there since the beginning. I like the pullback that we've seen in a lot of stocks. I think the U.S. area is the best place to look at. And this is Green Thumb Industries, GTBIF. It's a larger company, $6.4 billion, uh, 55 retail stores. It's based in Illinois. Uh, its revenue is expected to grow in the next couple of years annually, 27.7%. Earnings, 46%. Uh, last year, it had a revenue of $556 million. But by 2025, we're looking at over $3 billion. And even more impressive, Earnings per share in 2025, that's only four years from now, folks, looking to be close to $3, $2.87 a share. If we put a 30 uh, times uh, valuation on it, P of 30 based on 2025, puts the stock at $86.10. Again, that's double, almost triple, you know, 170% or so from here. Uh, in four years, I'll take that any day. I love the chart, the way it's come back. Uh, it's definitely one of the leaders uh, when it comes to cannabis here in, uh, in the States. Next, let's take a look at grow generation. A little bit of different, very similar chart, but a little bit different. GRWG, $2.6 billion company. Uh, it's a retail store, but it does like hydroponics and stuff for growing. Not just weed, but also vegetables and other things. Uh, revenue is expected to grow 18.1% in the future. Earnings, 23%. Uh, you're seeing earnings per share in 2025 up to $1.10. So you're seeing not the same valuation, the same growth as uh, uh, GTBIF, Green Thumb, but it's still nice and it's a little bit, Less aggressive, in my opinion. 2025 revenue up to 827 million. Again, just want to keep an eye on. You know, it's big run up, nice pullback, holding support. Uh, these are the times to buy when things are just kind of out of favor, not as fun anymore, but uh, looking pretty darn good. <clears throat> next one we're going to take a look at is in the uh, next two are in the medical area, and this is kids. This is uh, orthopedic. Uh, I see. I can't. I, I, so there's some words, that, folks. I can't see. Orthopediatrics, orthopediatrics, something like that. Kids, K-I-T-S. $1.2 billion company, implants and devices for uh, the treatment of children with uh, orthopedic conditions, everything from scoliosis um, to sports injuries. And, you know, kids are always getting hurt, you know that. Revenue growth, I like this, 20.5% annually, earnings per share growth, bottom line, 53.8%. It's not yet profitable, but again, let me zoom out in this chart here a little bit for you. I mean, look at this. Went public in 2017, dipped below 15. Look where it is now. This is one of those small companies just flying under the radar. And, and this, is, this is what you're trying to find a lot of times. Diversify the portfolio. Look at something that's not uh, correlated to a lot of other stocks. Uh, it's in a nice niche area. And look at the chart. It tells you something. It tells you something's going on. The other one is a little bit bigger of a company. This is Natera, N-T-R-A. Again, a lot of my charts, you see, they hit highs and pull back, creating opportunities. So Natera is a $9.1 billion company. What I love about this, it's, uh, it, it's basically like liquid, bi not biopsy, but liquid um, 
a blood test. And it's non-invasive, it's prenatal, it's a test that they use the blood to determine any abnormalities, big thing, you know, that, that are most uh, uh, to be parents will do. Uh, revenue, 17% annual growth, earnings, 21%. It's well on its way to path to profitability. And again, this is something where the trend is just not going away. And here's a longer term chart. Again, looking back, folks, and you know, a lot of people talk about 10x, 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 20x, and they throw numbers around just willy-nilly. <clears throat> I have my career picked many, many 10x stocks. And you look back, and I didn't pick this one, but I'm just showing you an idea. You know, this stock was at eight bucks back in 2016. So five years later, it's up 12x, 13x almost, 13x. It's possible. Like, it, 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 you have to understand, but that being said, what did you have to do along the way? This pullback right here looks like nothing, but it's about a 40% pullback. This pullback right here, it's about a 70% pullback. Another one, another pullback. You have to ride it. To, to be able to get these huge gains, it doesn't go straight up. There's gonna be a lot of these pullbacks from the high. So keep that in mind when, when, when you're thinking big picture. You can't get to 10X without having a 50% pullback at some point. I think it's nearly impossible. You're gonna have it. Whether it's based on the stock, whether it's based on the market, whether it's based on the recession, whether it's based on a black swan event, a pandemic, it's gonna happen. So if you have a 20% trailing stop, you'll never have a 10X. Because there's no stock that I can come up with, and there's probably one, none that I can think of that have gone up 10X and didn't have at least a pullback of over 20%. There's not one out there. So keep that in mind. That was a kind of a weird lesson on the end of this. <clears throat> All right, so those are the stocks. I gave you quite a few, didn't I? I gave you quite a few stocks here. You throw on your summer watch list. As a matter of fact, I think there's 12 in there. Put them on your summer watch list. Do your own due diligence. They're not buy or sell recommendations. I have no exposure in these stocks by any means at this point. Just sharing ideas. As they get through my head, I share them with you. So take this. Have a great, great weekend. Be safe. Be happy. Have fun. Uh, get out there. Enjoy life. Uh, if anybody's in Nicaragua, hit me up. Uh, and uh, again, uh, thank you so much for your support. Uh, I, I truly, truly appreciate it. And, uh, and I look forward to many, many years of doing some fun things together. And of course, making some money along the way. I'm Matt McCall, and that was your Money Line. The Money Line with Matt McCall. Matt McCall. To find more information, head over to McCallMoneyWire.com. That's McCallMoneyWire.com.